You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It is Memorial Day weekend. It is also Trinity Sunday uh, in the lectionary, uh, in the the liturgical calendar, where we marvel and revel at this peculiar, strange one plus one plus one equals one of the Christian church. Uh, I'm thankful uh, Catherine Long saw the, the bulletin cover or the, uh, the artwork for this week, which is uh, uh, Rublev's 14th century Trinity icon. It's actually depicting the story of Abraham entertaining the three angels. Uh, and it's a fascinating uh, meditative tool into the heart of the Trinity, which is here in, in front of the pulpit, so artfully displayed, you know, because uh, 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 I got it this morning and said, oh, where do, where, where do I put it? How do I put it up? I, I don't have that gift, so I'm, here it is uh, right there uh, for you to see. Yeah, a fun side story uh, before we get into the sermon. This was this picture uh, of, of Father, Son, and Spirit, and we, can, we could go into that and, and talk more about that. Um, that was my Christian theology final while at Duke Divinity School. It was a picture of that icon, and all it said was, Explain. There it is, a whole semester resting on explaining, <laughs> explaining that. So I could, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on about that uh, uh, icon. But thank you, Catherine, uh, for allowing us to display that uh, today. It's one of my favorite uh, pieces of religious art. Our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter, beginning with verse 12, as we meditate on the inner heart of God, as well as our inheritance and what God has offered to us. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, right on cue, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, if, in fact, we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Inheritance is a funny thing. You cannot choose what you inherit. For example, my wife, uh, Christy, inherited from her family Beautiful marble top furniture, antique furniture, fantastic jewelry, wood carvings made by hand from both of her grandfathers. I, on the other hand, inherited a Winchester 73 and a Colt 44 and a green crocheted hat. made out of a six-pack of Dixie. 
My, my great-grandmother, Omé Belanger, which, who, who didn't speak a lick of English, finished a six-pack of Dixie on the porch one day and decided, you know what? I'm going to make a hat. So whereas Christy inherited fine furniture and wood carvings and jewelry, I inherited guns and beer. Or as my father likes to remind me, you didn't inherit the beer, son. We finished that before we gave it to you. <laughs> Inheritance. It's a curious thing. You can't choose what is offered to you. It's not something that we choose, but we can choose what we do with it. What to emphasize, what to celebrate, what to share, or maybe what needs to be defeated. Sometimes we inherit amazing things, you know, like uh, money or property or green eyes or Dixie beer hands or, uh, um, um, or, or athleticism. Yeah, I've been watching, this is fantastic, and I hope you, hope you take a look at it, the Ken Burns uh, baseball documentary uh, that's on LPB. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm a bit biased. I, I love baseball. My grandfather played uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals in 1940. He was drafted by the Cardinals in 1941, then drafted by the Air Force in 1942. Uh, so a very, very short baseball uh, career. But it's fantastic to look at, at this game that's, that's over 100 years old that, that we have inherited and it's beautiful. And I played baseball until I was a, a graduated high school. Played first base. Love I love the game. Unfortunately, sometimes when we inherit this thing that's hundreds of years old, there is a temptation to enshrine it and to never change it or to treat it somehow as sacred. You know, in this Ken Burns special, it was talking about how there was this slew of home runs that were happening in the 50s. Uh, so so they, they raised the pitcher's mound just a little bit uh, and, and widened the batter's box a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, it was the golden age of pitchers, as you might imagine. It is a beautiful game, but sometimes when systems get very big and they have a storied history, we tend to enshrine them and treat them as sacred, as if they can't change. We've inherited this beautiful game, uh, and, and one of my uh, pastors growing up at First Methodist in Slidell, uh, Joe McLean uh, was his name, and, and one, of the, one of his favorite phrases was, the problem with the world is that the folks standing on third base think they're the ones who hit the triple, right? Not giving a nod to what we have inherited, right? <laughs> Inheritance also works the other way. Uh, sometimes we inherit things uh, that don't help us play baseball, uh, like, for example, my son, Robert, has a lazy eye, and I want him to get in the t-ball and start playing, but, but he has a lazy eye. So putting him, you know, throw, throwing balls at his face and asking him to hit them uh, would only lead to great frustration for both him and me. Like, come on, son, what's the problem, right? Uh, or, for example, it, sometimes it's a very thin line between those who are great at hitting and those who are not. For example, if you are a right-handed hitter, you tend to be more success, successful behind the plate if you are also right eye dominant. The eye that's closest to the catcher gives you just, just a touch more depth perception and an opportunity to hit a fastball. If you're left eye dominant, you're probably not going to be one of the greats. 
which is what I tell myself because I'm left-eye dominant and also a right-handed hitter. Uh, so I became a, a preacher instead of a baseball player. I'm sure that's the only reason that that didn't work out. We cannot choose our inheritance, but we can choose what to cultivate from our inheritance. Paul says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, this sounds very individualistic. And you've heard this from Paul, uh, uh, flesh versus spirit, right? Do not live to the flesh, but live to the spirit. But understand, as he's writing the book of Romans, he uses words like we and the royal you, right? The, the, the plural version of of you. In other words, when he talks about the deeds of the body, he is not talking about you individually. He is talking about the body of believers. What are the deeds of the body that need to be put together? So he's writing to the community of faith at Rome, and vicariously he is writing to us as a community of faith as well. As citizens of Rome, they would have inherited things like an emperor, a pantheon of gods, the best economy the world had ever known, a superpower in the Mediterranean, gladiatorial games, slavery. These are the things that you can touch and feel, those cultural items that are markers of who they were. These are the works of flesh of the body, the corporate communal works of the flesh. And systems such as these Above all else, honor self-preservation, order, and a continuation of the system itself. Romans, on the whole, is about how to be a Christian in that kind of a system. It's a system that they knew well as being citizens of Rome. And I've said, I've said it before in Bible studies that when, when reading the gospel... We often never read it as if we are Rome in the story. But we don't have to think terribly hard about what it means to be a Christian in that kind of system. Back to Ken Burns uh, in the baseball special. Fascinating. I hope, I hope you catch it. Uh, there was a story about uh, Kurt Flood, who was a center fielder for the Touched by God St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. In, 19, in, in between 1969 and 1970, uh, Kurt Flood found out that he was being traded to Philadelphia. And at first blush, he was concerned about this trade, namely because he was a black athlete. And the opportunities that were given to him in St. Louis were not the same opportunities that were going to be given to him in Philadelphia. In fact, word on the street was that Philadelphia was not kind to black athletes. And therefore, he pushed back against this trade. And he wrote to the commissioner, and this is what he said. After 12 years in the major leagues, I do not feel that I'm a piece of property to be bought and sold, irrespective of my wishes. I believe that any system which produces, that results, produces those results violates my basic human right as a citizen and is inconsistent with the laws of the United States and of several states. It is my desire to play baseball in 1970, and I am capable of playing. 
I have received a contract offer from the Philadelphia Club, but I believe I have the right to consider offers from other clubs before making any decision. I therefore request that you make known to all major league clubs my feelings in this matter and advise them of my availability for the 1970 season. This pushing back against the system went all the way to the Supreme Court in 1972. Now, ultimately, Flood lost that case, but it did bring about what's called free agency in professional sports, giving the players some kind of input, some kind of power with contract negotiations. An example of what are the deeds of the body, what are the deeds of the system, the self-preservation, the continuation, the order, what are some of the things that must die in order for us to live by the Spirit? Now, this doesn't mean that there is no institution at all. This does not mean that there should be anarchy. Anytime you get people together in any kind of critical mass, there's going to be some kind of institution. And that institution, by default, is interested in self-preservation and keeping order. Institutions tend to protect themselves. Paul says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified with him. Paul is trying to get the Roman church to see and to understand that their only inheritance is not coming only from Rome. You are an heir of God. You are a child of God. You have inherited eternal life. You have inherited blessed are the poor. You have inherited love of neighbor. You have inherited a kingdom that is not of this world. You have inherited the love of God. And nothing can change that. Have you thought about salvation as something that is God, that is God has done something already for you? Salvation is an inheritance that is gained to you through the meritorious work of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, offered to you by a graceful God. Which is why, which is why Paul ends the eighth chapter of Romans by saying, Who will separate us? From the love of Christ, will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Who is he talking about? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves you, and there's not a thing you can do about that. It is inherited by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot choose what we inherit. We can choose how to use that we can choose how to make that inheritance fruitful or not. 
but you cannot change that an all-powerful and all-loving God has chosen you through a spirit of adoption to be one of God's own. So here he is begging them. He's begging the Roman church to stop living to the flesh because living in that system and thinking that that's the only system leads to death. Living in that system is only concerned with what you produce for the continuation of that system. And he begs them to start living. Sometimes I can be critical of the system and institution of the church. And I'm an ordained clergy person in the United Methodist Church, so I've earned the right to be critical of said institution. This idea of being traded to another place without having any say, I have a vested interest in that, in our itinerant system. Some of my friends who were clergy and who have left the church have asked me, if you're critical of the church, if there are things that you would change, why are you still a Christian? Why don't you leave like the rest of us? And my answer is always the same. It's because following Jesus is what it means to be alive. Following Jesus is what it means to be alive. And that is not something that I can give up. Systems don't like it when they get rattled. This weekend, with it being Memorial Day weekend, uh, my family and I, we will be watching Hamilton for the 400th time on Memorial Day. Uh, and I love it. The very end of, of, of the musical Hamilton says, who lives, who dies, who tells your story is the song. Right? And on Memorial Day weekend, we must give ear to that. We must give voice to that. We must remember those who have gone before us. They are not here to tell their story. Therefore, it is our task, it is our job to tell their story with truth and also with grace. We have inherited this tradition and their story, and we are tasked with telling it with truth and also with grace. But there's this great moment in the musical talking about systems don't like to be rattled where King George, right? King George sings and he, he writes this love letter to the colonies, right? You say, the price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry in the tea that you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? It's just very, this very tongue-in-cheek moment of King George. And at the end of it, the word is oceans rise, empires fall. Uh, with each other, we have seen it all. But when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. <laughs> right? The song ends with, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love, that you are mine. Right? Hamilton, along with the other founders, wanted to build something that would allow them to make decisions for themselves, a system that recognized that you don't have to be a king in order to make a decision. The system that they built wasn't perfect. In fact, uh, you didn't have to be a king to make a decision in the early United States, but you also couldn't be a woman or a person of color to make a decision in the United States. So what they built was not a perfect system. What we have inherited is not a perfect system. 
but it is ours. And it is not our only inheritance. And I pray this weekend, as we remember those who have gone before, as we revel in the self-emptying fullness of the Trinity of God, that we might give ear to what we have inherited. As a child of God, knowing that your value is not in what you produce. Your value is not found of whether you are right-eyed dominant or left-eyed dominant. Your value is found within an all-loving and graceful God who has claimed you as his own. May we rest in that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we revel in the mystery of the self-emptying fullness that you have offered to us. We give you thanks that you have invited us into your triune heart so that we might be equipped, so that we might be empowered, so that we might know that we are not alone as we do the difficult work of living out the fruit of our inheritance that we have gained from you. May we believe it to be so. May we have the courage to be the grain of sand that disrupts the machinery of the world, all for the right reasons. May we be bold. May we be fearless. May we rest in your sacrificial love. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.